Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How the Tree of Life Helps Leaders Execute Their Vision. Today, I have a great guest for you. And you know I'm Diane Allen. I'm that catalyst that meets you at the center of your creativity, your vision, and the execution of your dreams. I have a guest with us today who is an expert in bringing leaders into their vision in a very profound and not often thought about way. Sharon Rosen is somebody I've known for quite a while. I first met her online in different groups, and then I've met her in person, and I follow all of her work because there is a dynamic, amazing connection that really helps leaders, myself being a leader and other people I've sent to her, really excel. So I said, Sharon, you have to come on the show and talk to us about how the tree of life can really take you as a leader from wherever you are into something even more magical and magnificent. So welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you. What a great introduction. And, um, and I love that you are, um, we're having this conversation, not just as like, I'm the person who knows this stuff and you are curious, but you, you now know a little bit more about Kabbalah and the Tree of Life than you did before. Yes, I do. And <laughs> the Tree of Life, I've heard about it for so long, like my whole life. I have a friend of mine who gave me a beautiful necklace of the Tree of Life that mm-hmm. I wear often. I have, and in another time in my life, I bought a piece of art that was Jasper with copper on it that was the Tree of Life. And, or that's what they called it. Yes. And I'm like, this just keeps showing up in my world. And what I know is if something keeps showing up in your world, go investigate it. There's something going on. Right. So then I meet you and you, you know about it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's a person who knows. So explain to everybody or can you give us like a little snapshot? Yeah. Because it's, it's so big and complex. But it's what's so a snapshot great. about the tree of life? Like give us a little understanding because not everybody will understand, you know, knows right away what it is. Sure. Sure. And I just want to share an image just so people have a sense visually that this is the, the, you know, you see a lot of images of trees and maybe they have fruit and birds and flowers in them. Right. This is the tree of life that is the considered the blueprint for all of creation mm. in Kabbalah or Kabbalah, you can say it either way, which comes from the Jewish mystical path. And we work with the qualities inherent in the tree in those different, I guess I should keep that up, you know, in these different circles or what are called spherot are qualities of the divine of what we're all made of and qualities, of course, that are within each one of us. And as we learn to work with them and bring this dynamic into better balance within ourselves, you can actually imagine that you you are made from this. You are made from the stuff that is part of all creation. And so if you can imagine that tree of life as an energetic that lives within you in working with these different aspects and qualities, 
balancing them out, understanding where maybe things from your past keep you stuck in the same ways. Um, unlike therapy, we work in both a, a personal and interpersonal and an energetic way. And it, it just shifts things so profoundly for people. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. Oh, it's amazing. So when did it start with you? How were you introduced to the tree of life? And like, tell us a little bit about that story of Sharon's journey to even get curious and know about it. Like, how did that happen? Well, um, I was raised Jewish and being raised Jewish in conservative Judaism in the, you know, 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s, like you never heard the word. Nobody talked about it. We didn't know. No, it was not part of anything. A lot got lost after the Holocaust. Mm. All right. A lot of the, the rabbis, the sages, the Kabbalistic scholars and leaders were lost. And also there was this great move towards assimilation. Right. They're yeah. killing us because we're Jewish. OK, we'll still be Jewish, but we'll be more not so very different Jewish and different. Right. Exactly. Right. So I was always on a spiritual search. It's who I am. It's it's what my life's been about. I always felt very connected to God, even when I was in synagogue and I was chanting and praying in Hebrew and I didn't really understand what I was saying. But the beauty and the power and the words and the melodies, um, I always felt very connected. And so I was on a spiritual search, as so many people are, as I became a, you know, a teen and into my 20s, you know, and I went to ashrams and I chanted in Sanskrit and I, you know, explored Buddhism and different religions, but I always felt deeply Jewish. And then I started hearing about Kabbalah somewhere in the mid 90s. And what I was hearing was it can be dangerous. It's very intense. You've got to really know what you're doing. You've got to have a good teacher. And I was trying to teach myself. I actually bought these Kabbalah cards thinking, oh, this is how I'll learn about Kabbalah and the tree. And I, as I said to you, it's really hard to learn from, like people often ask me, is there like a book I should get? There's not a book um, that's really clear and simple and comprehensive. So I was not finding my way in very easily. And then I was at Omega Institute for a, a different workshop. And Omega is a wonderful holistic learning and retreat center here in New York State. And the person who became my teacher, Jason Schulman, was there. And I was able to go to an open session of his. And I was just like, uh, I, this guy is great. I, can, I think I can really learn from him. And I'm very discerning. Like, I know you are. I'm very discerning about who I'm going to follow and learn from. But I really felt like oh, I, can, I can study with this man. And so I did his, what was then a three-year and then became a four-year training in something that's now called non-dual Kabbalistic healing. So the, the very you know, root understanding and awareness is that we really live in a non-dual universe, but being humans, we split things, you know, it's good, it's bad, I like it, I don't like it. And so how do we come from this more non-dual perspective? And I think that's one of the things that draws me to it because I'm a metaphysician and um, I consider myself a neoplatonic non-dualist. 
where Plato <laughs> talked about the forms and is a non-dualist. And so when there's all this good, bad, right, wrong, but, but conversation all the time, yes, it has its place, but my overarching way of living is not in that war yeah. zone, I call it. Yeah. And so <laughs> when you started um, first telling me about it, I'm like, now I know I've been curious because there's this part of me that wanted to learn about something I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. I think all leaders, every leader, all of those you out there listen to us. If you're a leader, you got to really start growing, you know, and expand yourself into something you know nothing about and be curious. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that it was a multiple year course to learn. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like a weekend seminar. It wasn't a little online thing. And then now you have this little certificate. It was, it's a thing. Oh, this was, it it was big. It was, it was, we stepped into a very big and deep container. And what was so wonderful for me was that the, by doing this training and what we learned is it really brought the tree of life alive in me. I really have a relationship with the tree, with the universes. So the tree is contained within universes um, which is part of why it gets complicated trying to learn about it. But, you know, going from the, you know, the most inclusive and ethereal and, you know, untouchable to this manifest reality. And, I, you know, I get it in a way that I never could have gotten from books. And I also learned a very beautiful uh, form of working with people for psychospiritual healing and balance. And so doing the healings with people, engaging with them that way is, um, it's just, a, it's a great gift. So now you just sparked two questions. Okay. <laughs> if you look at the Sharon who started the program, started the class after you met him at Omega, yeah. and you look at the Sharon who emerged, um, what are a couple of the <laughs> profound things you look back and go, whoa. I have really changed or I've come alive in a different way. Give everybody a little bit of how, how you personally grew or shifted or changed, whatever transformed during the training part. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, You know, I don't want to, you know, scare anybody, but I used to say to my friends, it's kind of like I was, you know, this beautiful hunk of beef and I was put through a meat grinder and on the other end, I'm not sure, am I going to be a hamburger patty? Am I going to be a, a, you know, a meatloaf? Am I going to be meatballs? It's like, it was, you know, we looked at so much and so deeply and we had to look at our own wounds. You know, people I think who are healers and leaders and guys, if you're not working your own, like you said at the beginning, if you're not working your own stuff, there's only so effective that you can be um, because there's always things in life that are going to trigger us. So how do you respond to that? So it, it helped me understand my own personal hurts and psychological triggers and wounds and things, you know, the stuff from my childhood that I still maybe held against my parents or didn't really understand. Um, it helped me be able to have a different relationship with the not as close as I would like relationship that I have with my brother, which was always kind of a pain point for me. So it helped me look at the whole, that whole family dynamic, but also how I showed up with my clients. Even when I was doing massage, which I was a massage therapist primarily for 25 years. 
and I was doing that work while and after I went through this program. It's not like I came out and it was like, okay, everybody, I'm a Kabbalistic healer. I know you're going to want that. It's going to be much better for you than a massage. People still wanted that hands-on work. And I was able to bring this sensibility, this knowledge, this ability to hold space in a different way for people so that they can be received and reflected in a way that was more healing for them. I didn't get triggered in the same way, or if I did, I knew how to, I knew, I knew how to deal with it. And my response time was a little quicker and getting caught in the quagmire for quite so long. I mean, you know, we're always going to get, there's always stuff, you know, I'm very few, you know, as a friend of mine once said, you know, I think there's a lot of really wise people out there, but I'm not sure that many of them are actually fully enlightened to where like, you know, they wouldn't lose their temper in a traffic jam or, you know, get triggered. But, you right, know, right. the famous, the famous uh, Buddhist phrase is, you know, when, if you think you're enlightened, go home and visit your family. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. and you can respond, you can, as you're more healed, you naturally respond. Yes. Just so. I just think it's amazing. So there's this huge transformation. I've gone through transformations in my life where I'm like, I don't think anything about me is the same except maybe my fingerprints. And I'm not even sure they're the same, you know? (laughs) And when you're talking about the meat grinder thing, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I know that I am not that other same person. Maybe my fingerprints are the same, but that's probably it, you know? Um, And and so when you're talking about that, I'm like, yeah, I've gone through that before more than once. Yeah, it's not always fun and pretty, but it's so worthwhile. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like, you, know you, you can't run a marathon unless you, you know, create more endurance. And so, you know, you have to be able to sustain yourself. And it's not, you know, it's not always, it's not always just light and easy and pretty on the spiritual right. growth journey. It's, it rarely is actually. I think spiritual growth journeys are very messy and people like to say that it's all beautiful and it's great and love and light. Right. And that's true. But, and at the very same time, it can be very messy and very intense and very challenging and requires multiple peer groups of support and other human connection and direction, no matter who you are. I think the greatest leaders, the greatest visionaries have other people in their corner who are leaders and visionaries because we got to support each other. So, right. And and on that non-dual thing, right. We talked about that a lot. I talk about that a lot in this intro Kabbalah class that I teach is we have to learn how to hold opposites and hold paradox. That's where the healing and the wholeness come in. Not from thinking that you can push away all the quote unquote, negative stuff or the stuff you don't like and just go to the light, go to the light. It's like life is messy and it's beautiful and it's challenging and it's amazing. And can you, when you learn to hold both of those things in good balance, which Mm -hmm. isn't always 50, 50, depending on what's going on. Yes. then amazing things can come from that. Oh, and absolutely. Absolutely. It's so, so true. So healing and rectifying. You use the word to rectify a situation when we were talking and uh, before. Yeah. And then, of course, when I was doing um, one of my lives, I used the word rectify instead of the word heal. And people resonated that rectifying gave them more hope where healing seems to be a heavy word for them 
I don't know that it is for everybody, but for that particular person. Right. And so I really love the word rectify. Would you speak a little bit to that? Like, so a lot of people on our healing journey, but also a lot of people are repelled. Like I don't need to be healed or I don't want to be healed or whatever. And what do you mean rectify? Like, can you elaborate on what, how that meaning is important? Yeah. Yeah. So what I love, one of the things I love about this framework, this Kabbalistic healing framework is it starts from the sand that you're not broken and I'm not here to fix you. Oh, you're not broken and I'm not here to fix you. Right. I am here as a quote unquote healer. It took me a long time to own that word. And I think of that as, and we were talking about this before uh, off camera, uh, uh, being a catalyst, right? Yes. So that's to me what I do is I'm a, a catalyst for other people's always available emerging wholeness. So you already have everything you need inside of you, but life by the very virtue of being born, being born into human form, there's going to be things that get a little out of kilter. And we learn to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if somebody has a physical handicap, we look and we go, oh my God, how do you live without a leg? And they're like, oh, well, now I have dumb, you know, I, they learn, they deal, they get a prosthetic, they keep moving on. Everything isn't about that thing. So rectifying is a way of holding, reflecting, embodying, and and, um, resonating out the already healed and whole being that lives within whoever I'm working with. Where things have gotten, you know, off kilter and it happens. And we do need other people to help us. You can do a lot on your own, but one of the first things I heard from my teacher is all healing happens in relationship. Because we get wounded in relationship. So we have to heal in relationship. Mm -hmm. So that rectification process, you know, I I like to say, you know, you're all already whole Mm -hmm. and good as you are, but you can always embody that deeper, wider, deeper, wider, like it doesn't end until the day you take your last breath. If, if you're on a path of growth and healing or rectification or just ever greater measures of wholeness emerging. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and I think it gives us like freedom to kind of like expand and say, it doesn't, everything doesn't always have to be this heavy. Oh my God, I'm broken. This is a terrible thing. I need to heal, you know, and, right. and Right. And it also helps um, mitigate spiritual bypass. Yes. Where, you know, okay, everything's all perfect. With the total denial of the fact that we are in human form and I don't care how spiritual we all are, as long as we're in human form, then there's stuff we're working on or doing. Yep. You know, and that's the whole point of someone gets me, you know, because a lot of times we're misunderstood or Mm -hmm. not understood which is different. Right. And so <laughs> right. how has, how has that affected you? People just not getting it or not understanding you. How does that affected you in your life? Affected me or not, not, not getting me or not getting the, the work, the couple not getting of, you, not getting, not getting you. me. 
Um, well, I think over time I've just learned to not, I, I don't engage in that. Like that's part of my own healing. That's part of my rectification is everybody doesn't have to get me. Okay. So how did you get to that point? Cause a lot of people start out with nobody understands me. Yeah. When you're a spiritual seeker, people yes. look around and they go, when you're younger, especially like what? Right. <laughs> right. So, so right. What, share with yeah. people some tips of how you got to the place where it no longer holds power. That if somebody doesn't get you, you still love them and keep on going. How did you get there? Because oh, there's boy. a lot of people stuck <laughs> in the nobody gets me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I remember years ago being in a personal growth workshop and I was talking to my brother and I said something about validating my feelings. He said, I don't need to validate you. You're not a parking meter. You're not a parking chair. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I, I know. I'm like, thank you. Thanks very much. I love you too. Um, <laughs> well, that's an interesting question because it's been such a process. I don't, it's hard for me to pin it down. I mean, I've done a lot of healing work, done a lot of therapy work. Um, I've done a lot of, you know, a big part of my practice also is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of work with particularly loving kindness practice, compassion practice. And I, I guess as, as I embody more of my own innate wholeness and goodness, I don't need, like, I don't go to my brother for certain things. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't go to him. He's who he is. And this was really, this was one of the big emotional journeys of my life because it's just the two of us. And I like to think that as the only two siblings in the family, we would be close. But that's not what's on offer. And that's not who he is. And we love each other. And if I needed him, he'd be right in the car, coming to get, help me. And it's not a, hey, sis, I love you. How you doing? And so for me to, to sit with myself, be compassionate for the fact that I want something that's not on offer. Mm. Learn how to soothe myself, right? Like I love to quote, um, there's a wonderful Buddhist teacher named Sylvia Borstein and she does this, she actually does this thing where she like puts her hand on her when she notices that she's heard of us and she's like, oh, sweetie, it's okay, that's hard. Like you want that person to get you and they don't. But to always come back into yourself, to not be expecting and it's natural to want that, but I find that the less I want and expect that, I actually have better relationships and it isn't about them totally getting who I am or what I do. Yes. But because I'm in my, I'm, I use this phrase a lot, taking your seat. It comes from Buddhism, but also from this Kabbalistic work. It's like the more I just really take my seat and sit in my knowing, my goodness, my wisdom, my learning, my healing, then I don't need as much for people out there to get me in a way I used to want that. And then therefore, people get you more. Exactly. That's the paradox, right? Isn't it? Yeah. When we release the need to be gotten, because we've done our work and we're healing and we're sitting, I call it our spiritual authority. Yes. Then then people get us more. That's right. Because we're sovereign. I like the word sovereign also, which is spiritual authority. Right. Right. And you notice that 
everybody that Sharon is using Buddhism and Judaism together (laughs) in this mystical conversation. And I think that's the beauty of all of the mystics, wherever they're coming from over the ages, bring with them beauty that can't be killed. They Mm -hmm. tried to kill it off and it didn't work. And even in that, okay, we'll all assimilate to try to survive, basically, still didn't kill it off. Right. And the overarching, you know, like um, part of the world that wants to be very controlling, like the patriarchal, like to stuff everybody into this box, mm-hmm. that didn't kill it off. Right. You can't kill off the mystical thread that weaves through life. Because it's the truth, capital T truth. Exactly. I love that beauty that can't be killed. Wow. Yes, it can't be killed. Try you know, it, it. It's been tried and it hasn't worked. Right. You know, and even in in the old um, Catholic traditions, you know, the mysticism of Mary and all that survived with the women hiding from all the persecutors. Yeah. And so it's in every tradition. It's in Buddhism. It's in all traditions. The mystics could either go underground or do whatever they needed to do, but you can't kill it because it's capital T truth. If the human cannot kill off the divine, it just isn't going to work. (laughs) So there's power in this for leaders. Mm -hmm. Now, a leader is not necessarily a position. In my world, a leader can be a four-year-old who leads somebody out of danger or gets their Sometimes the leaders are the mischievous ones who get the class to do wild stuff to the teachers, but they're still leaders. And we're all leaders in some way. And what I want, would love to talk about a little bit now is, you know, I'm all about executing your vision and using your creativity to do it. And um, when I first took your class about the intro to the Kabbalah, because I had, I had to learn about it, I was curious. And one of my core values is curiosity and check everything out. So of course I want to take the class. So take the class and you are an amazing teacher and I'm listening to you and I'm going, wow, I resonate with this. Wow. I didn't know that. Huh? And I had a lot of ahas and oh, wows. And what? And you're like all these different, (laughs) all these different things. And, and, but the more I listened, the more I said, wow, I wonder how that can fit into my role as a leader and leaders in general. Because I really believe that if leaders are more deeply supported internally and externally, mm-hmm. then we're able to lead more, lead more effectively with less angst and anger and attack in the world. Right. We can lead from a more authentic spot. So how, I know this is a big question, so you can just pick any part of the answer because it's okay. much bigger that this question could probably be the whole podcast. How could we use the tree mm-hmm. or the ideas of it? Mm-hmm. to begin to support leaders. Like there's leaders listening to us right now mm-hmm. and they're going, well, okay, how do I do it? What do I do? <laughs> What's an action I can take? Because we're all about, give me, give me something to go do. Right. Okay. And since you only offer your classes every once in a while, and if everybody called you all at the same time, there would not be enough room. So <laughs> can we give them something <laughs> they yeah. can do before they actually call you and engage in something more powerful right. Right. to get started, to make friends with the idea that if they live from this essence, their leadership transmutes into something even more amazing than they thought. 
Mm. That is a big question. Um, and I've got a couple of different places that I can go, but I'm going to try and keep it simple. Um, because as I said at the beginning of the class on Kabbalah, my, my, main, my main goal as a teacher is to leave you less confused than more confused. So when we're working with the tree, and if you imagine that this is above the head, this is on either side of the head, and then we've got the shoulders, and then we've got the hips and the legs. I'm going to talk about these two aspects, which correlate to the hips and the legs, which has to do with how you move in the world. So if someone is in a leadership role, they're used to like, right? Going, going, doing. And maybe, maybe not so much stepping back into their own splendor, their own wisdom, their own goodness, taking time for themselves. Maybe they're good, really good at going out and doing a lot and maybe not so much that sort of self-reflective, self-reflexive, I almost want to say self-care, but it isn't even that. It has to do with when you've got a good balance in these two areas, especially if you're somebody with like low back pain because you're always pushing, pushing, pushing. That pushing really has to be balanced with more internal aspect of self-care of maybe a meditative practice or a writing practice or something that's really just for you that really feeds you and sustains you nourishes you on a really deep level so that you can then go out so it's a kind of a you know you're not just like push 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 maybe you're always on the bottom of the list you're always in the back seat you know really allowing that sometimes you have to stand still and go more internal and then you refuel and then you can move forward and from a more strategic and balanced and sustainable place. Because I think a lot of people also deal with burnout. I would imagine that that might be an issue for some of your listeners. Well, I think a lot of people struggle with burnout because they're always pushing and even leaders who aren't pushing can struggle from burnout because if you don't take care of yourself along the way, you spend all your inner resources. Right. So the tree of life helps you keep keeping the flow going. Yes. So that we can be grounded and centered in what we're doing. And if we start moving too far too fast, Mm -hmm. if we check back in, it helps us come back to who we are so that we can actually move forward more effectively. Exactly. Exactly. And and I had that conversation with a client last night who called mm-hmm. me quite late at night, really struggling with that push pull of wanting to get a lot of things done very quickly. Mm-hmm. He's profoundly gifted right. and sees things in a much more um, precise way than most humans, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably other than other profoundly gifted people like him. And we were talking about that, you know, it's okay to, to stop for a minute take a few deep breaths, go within and say, okay, is my gut and my heart and my head aligned? Like, where's my alignment? And then what are we doing? And then deciding to take action that even if it feels like an emergency or urgent, it doesn't mean it is. 
And so I think using the balance of the tree and being able to hold both things gives us permission to not have to be a slave to that urgency. Yeah. And I yeah, think that's and that, important. It's huge. It's so huge. It's huge in our society. It's huge in people who have big visions. Like, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta get it out there. I gotta move this forward. You know, or people who are leaders and maybe other people really lean into them and count on them. Maybe they don't feel that they have enough of that kind of support in their own life. Right. right. And then it's like, you're trying to do a marathon on one leg, like literally one leg without even a prosthetic to, you know, yep. balance you. You're going to hop the whole way. <laughs> let alone another actual whole solid leg. Yeah. And, and it is really from there that things can manifest. And, and also, you know, whether or not people have a particular spiritual bent I think to remember that also to rest into the fact that you're part of something larger Mm -hmm. than just you and your work and your vision and your things that you're doing and the people that count on you and to literally like let yourself rest. And I always, I'm very, I'm very somatic because I'm very physical. I think so literally like feel yourself, you know, maybe just stop and close your eyes for a minute when you have time during the day and go, oh, it's not just all about me. I'm not the only driver here and just kind of rest back into the fact that you really are part of a much larger field of energy, creativity, pulsation of creative force. Right. Yes. I think that's so very true. I just did an interview with a wonderful woman uh, from Canada. We're talking about the immune system in cells. And she was saying how they, people draw the cells like there's a wall around and there is a cell wall, but it's so permeable that everything's flowing in and out. And that really our immune system and our gut and all of our being is energetically connected to everything that is, which is of course what I say all the time, because it is true. Everything affects everything. We're all connected. And many masters over the years have said that that didn't start here, you know, and what you're saying is the same thing. It's, it's all, we're all connected. And so when we start pushing and feeling that urgency and getting out of alignment, we are resisting the greater forces of the universe. And in my experience, the universe wins. So it would behoove us to use that angst and frustration and upset as a sign to step back for a minute. Mm-hmm. It could be one breath, it could be three days, it could be whatever, but to step back for a minute and then as a leader say, okay, now what, after I get aligned, now what do I do? And I think that's where the tree of life and doing some of the Kabbalah healing that you do is a great benefit mm. because it's precognitive. So your ego, that's not your amigo, cannot get in the way. And leaders tend to overthink things and tend to wrap it on their head and therefore undo the very blessing they could be receiving. Very well said. Because overthinking is not thinking at all. It's an addictive process. It's not noble. And we live in a society that it's been reinforced so highly that people are caught in this trance. They haven't even, maybe they haven't even seen that yet. So 
the work you do helps people get on the other side of the trance and the lies and be able to be alive mm -hmm. and see what their life can be. And then it's easier than to break up that trance when I can have an experience that frees me from it. That the ego, yeah. who's not your amigo, cannot stop. That's what I think. I know, I know, right? So I, I love talking about these things and I love being able for people who are leaders in any way or visionaries in any way or creatives in any way to be able to really start seeing that life is multidimensional and that like I have multidimensional ability just like you do, right? I could cut with fluid viewing, I call it. We could go at anything from, lots of, um, yeah. from lots of angles. So what are some things that you do or you could um, share with us that help with the bringing them together? The multidimensional, there's all these really neat things and there's trees within trees and all these things I've learned in the class. Okay. And if you're curious about what we're talking about, when I put Sharon's website in the show notes, if I were you, I'd be clicking on it and take her next class and then she'll explain it to you. But I'm just going to... Uh, keep on going. So um, how do we take all this multidimensional universes and all of this? And then we're, we're meant as humans at the culmination of the ages. That's where we are as humans to bring it into some for, sort of form. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I would imagine for the benefit of ourselves and others. So how, what are some things that you do personally and or that you might teach people to be able to kind of navigate this in a way that it serves them? Mm. Wow. Well, um, I'm a big believer in practices. Mm -hmm. right? um, so I have a, a morning meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I go in and out, and right now I'm back in because I'm also doing more of uh, more studies in, believe it or not, Jewish mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've added some prayers, so prayer practice. And I love things that have to do with movement, movement, chanting, so things that get you out of your head. You know, Fritz Perls, the, the founder of Gestalt Therapy, said, you know, you have to get out of your head and into your body. Mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting. Like, it's kind of built into Judaism that uh, there's, there's this way that when, when, if you see, especially if you see like really Orthodox Jews praying, they move, right? We, we kind of, there's this, mm -hmm. call it chuckling. There's, there's movements and there are specific movements when you're standing and saying some of the prayers, you take a step forward, you take a step back. So there's something for me about really embodying things and getting out of my head, into my body. Chanting does that for me, especially if I'm chanting in Hebrew, because I might know what the words mean, but I'm not cognitively attaching to them. Like if I'm listening to a love song and I'm, you know, attaching to the meaning of it right. so there and also Hebrew is a vibrational language so there's that so for me a lot of it is practices that get me out of my head and into my body and even mindfulness it's very much about 
okay, really feel your seat. Really feel right. your sit bones. I've been doing this thing lately when I meditate of kind of meditating from my skeleton, like really feeling and tuning into like how my skeletal body is mm. being held. So, I mean, that's not necessarily Kabbalistic, but since it's non-dual, everything is in there. You know, everything can be part of the, the practice and the healing. Did I get too far afield there? Or no, did I? <laughs> you did it all. And I'm about to put you on the spot in a really, in a really interesting way. But I just, I, I, you didn't go too far at all. And I love, again, that you brought up Fritz Perls. Mm. And so everything's connected to everything and everything's in there. So right. we can talk about Buddhism or Judaism or mystics and psychology. And right. it's all in the soup. Right. And it all has its place and it all adds flavor. And it all has value. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear you saying. Yes. And to honor that value and pay attention to when you're meditating, where is your body? I always, whenever I start meditating, if my mind's trying to wander, I always pay attention to my little toes. So where are my little toes? And then once I can dial into my little toes and I have to go all the way down my body to get there from my mind. And then it gives me my mind something to be entertained with so I can get back in my body. And so when you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I do that. So would you mind um, doing a chant? (laughs) Um, No, I would be happy to. I just think it would be really amazing because you taught us some in the class and and then you had the chanting that that you offered on Zoom for a a time. and, Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you first said about chanting in the very beginning, when I very first started talking to you about all this, um, I knew about Sanskrit chanting and I knew about Hebrew prayers and movement because of being in the temple, but I didn't get the chanting part. Like I never really put all that together. And I think it would be really beautiful if you would share a chant with us. Okay. Let me see where, let me land on something. Um, Hmm. There's so many. That's why I'm having a hard time landing on one. Um, so I'll do uh, one that I did in the class, which is um, the meaning of it. It's Elohai Neshama Shenatata Bi Tahorahi. And the meaning of it is God or divine or universe, whatever word works for you. The soul you have placed within me is pure. Mm, beautiful. The soul you've placed within me is pure. Right? We don't have to, you know, really, it's just like the water gets, it's like the Buddhists say, the waters get muddied and you have to sit so things can mm-hmm. get clear and still. So uh, that goes like this. Elohai nishama shanatatabi tehorahi Elohai nishama shenatatahabi tehorahi. Elohai nishama shenatatahabi tehorahi. Elohai nishama shenatatahabi tehorahi. 
was delicious. <laughs> oh, that was delicious. I have goosebumps. Thank you. It's, I love, I love how when I do that, it just, it changes the space. Yes. Yes. Just changes the space. And what I love about chanting is it's not about, I'm not a singer, but chanting comes from in here, comes from your heart and it comes from your, from your belly and from your soul. And, and it's a beautiful way, you know, the, the, the ancient rabbis and Kabbalists have a practice of singing what are called nigun and nigun are wordless melodies and they do would do that as a way to get closer to God or to clear the path mm-hmm. so that they can remember what's right in front of them. Right. We're clearing the path so we can remember what is right in front of us and within us. Right. And so yeah. I think as leaders and visionaries or as all people, that's essential in this dance. I mean, the world's going through all these changes and, all kinds of things and all this uncertainty mm-hmm. and developing the skill to come home within. Right. However so, we do that is essential. It's essential. Totally essential. And the more I do that, the better I feel, the better my life is. Right. And it's very easy for me to go, oh, I know this stuff. Oh, I know this stuff, but I have to do it. You have to do it and you have, then you have to embody it and, and it live it instead of just knowing it. And a lot, a lot of us are guilty for knowing stuff and not doing it or knowing something and giving ourselves credit for having done it when we didn't do it. We just know it. Yes. Yes. It's true. I mean, that's what smart people do. I, I, I used to do that a lot. I used to read a lot of books on meditation and think it was the same as meditating. <laughs> right. I'll get this. If I read the book or I listen to the Facebook live or I do whatever, or I listen to a podcast, then now I have the benefit. Well, it's the practicing of the, whatever it is I'm learning that gives me the benefit. That's right. It's not <laughs> the learning it, you know, yeah. I, people say knowledge is power. And I say, well, I believe <laughs> that the execution of the knowledge, that's power. Yeah. How are you going to execute? what it is you say, you know, really. Now we're talking. That's my statement. Some people go, oh, Diane, knowledge is power. I'm like, "Uh, not in Diane's world. In Diane's world, it's your execution of your knowledge. Now we're talking, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I think it's important for all of us to learn multidimensional ways to kind of like bring ourselves into um, a state and a way of being that it lets us kind of emerge even more empowered, more transformed, more light, whatever word we want to use. The words are pedestrian. I don't know if they make sense. No, if only we could do all this without words, it would be great. Yes, because words are weird sometimes. They're not, they're not quite enough. So you have a vision for your life and what's important to you. Are you willing to share some of that? Like you're a leader and you have a vision and you're very creative. And that's the common denominator of all of us on the show, listeners and guests. So if we fast forward a year from now or so, and Sharon's vision is even more alive, what's it look like? Um, I think it looks like me continuing to really stay the course with my own 
practices so that I can be more clear and connected and also speak more clearly so that people who I can help understand that I can help them and then keep sending those ripples out because the, there's a concept in Judaism, tikkun olam, the repair of the world. Mm -hmm. The world is essentially broken and we can fix it, but it doesn't have to be on a big level. So I want to touch as many people as possible because the more healed we are, the more possible the healing of the world is. Mm -hmm. Healed people will heal the world. And again, it doesn't mean you're broken and you need to be fixed, but you know, right? We know when we're coming from the most connected, centered, aligned, true part of ourselves. So how can we do more of that so that we're not creating more discord, more you know, misunderstanding, more hiding, you know, like let's be as full selves as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. And just keep emanating that out and spreading it. So I, you know, the more people that I can help and support in being that full aspect of themselves, that rectified the more and more rectified version of themselves, then I feel like that's my way of adding to the healing of the world. Oh, wonderful. That, that's really beautiful. And um, in my interview with Paul Zellers quite some time ago, he talked about a sim the same idea. And I, I, I love the idea of the rippling out and as everybody does it together. And that's how I see it. I tell everybody it's a numbers game. And it's a numbers game like raise our vibration, which is being more rectified. And it's a numbers game of actually then sharing it so that others are touched by it. That's because you could just sit in your house and raise your vibration. So you're raising the numbers. Right. And there's much more to it than that. It's that connection. We heal in relationships, like you said. It's so important. So... Do you work with people like remotely? Do, you, do we have to be in New York State to work with you? Or, or if somebody's listening to you and they're in London or they're in Australia or they're in Canada or down here in Florida, will you work with them? Absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of what we have now with the technology. And unfortunately, with the pandemic, I'm not even really seeing in-person people very much here, but I can work with people anywhere because the healings are resonant, you know, that ripples, you know, and there is no, I mean, there really is no separation. So I can work effectively with people wherever they are. Oh, that's wonderful. And so Sharon's um, contact information and her website are in the show notes along with her bio so that you can contact her and follow her on social media and like do like me I, I I'm on her email list because she writes the best emails and I make sure that I keep feeding myself the amazing things coming through her and I've experienced a few of her healings time I don't know what we call them but I can tell you this <laughs> I can tell you that I've done a lot of things in my 40 year 50 year journey now 40 year journey of self-development and healing and I've tried many 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 things and all of them profound in their own way 
and right on time, something that I didn't even know what it was, that I was curious enough to check out has been transformative. And then I just said, well, I'm going to follow this path some more. So I think curiosity and checking out something we know nothing about in a way that is meant for our good and our benefit is required for our success. And I want to encourage any of you, if you like what Sharon is talking about, or you have a little curiosity that you reach out to her or find a way to open the door of curiosity, because that's where our salvation is, is allowing new into a system so that it can put it together. So a couple last questions before we're done. I know I'm, I'm very conscious of your time. You're so generous to give me so much time today. Um, hang out with you. <laughs> what, what is the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Wow. Talk about a left turn. Um, <laughs> wow. The most, oh, okay. Well, because it's been top of mind, um, a friend of mine lives on the big island of Hawaii. And when I was there, I had this coconut pudding with a passion fruit sauce. And if anybody knows anything about passion fruit, they're like these little tiny fruits and you have to work really hard to get the tiniest, like it's precious. It's like gold. And it had this passion fruit sauce and I'm a chocolate person. And this was like, put me over the edge. Coconut pudding with passion fruit sauce. I can't even explain. It was the most ethereal, like all my taste buds were firing. Amazing. Oh, it was great. Look on your face. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we are there with you, Sharon. <laughs> I'll go to Kona and get some. <laughs> okay, I'll meet you in Hawaii. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, is there anything that I didn't ask you about or anything that you feel led that you would like to say or share before we end? Uh, um, I don't know that I have anything I want to say or share. I do have another class starting at the beginning of September. Find balance through Kabbalah. So if people are interested, you can look for that. Um, I just really encourage people to to take time to, to do the quiet things that really nourish you and nurture you. And there's always time. You could take one minute, set a timer on your phone, take one minute, check in with yourself, mm -hmm. especially if you've been pushing, pushing, pushing. Right. And just be really be present with yourself in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And trust that like a little, little things really add up and they really mean a lot. Like pennies in the bank doesn't seem like much. Put enough pennies in the bank, you've got a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. So don't think it has to all happen at once or be a big thing. You know, but give yourself that, that gift of, you know, again, I was talking about that balance of Netzach and HUD of the two aspects of the tree, right? The legs you know, how we walk in the world and then how we step into that private place where we really allow ourselves to, to receive and experience our own splendor and our own goodness. Right. 
Yes. And sometimes we can, when we're in our head, we can be so distracted from our own goodness and our own splendor because we're too busy doing, doing, because we live in a culture that's all about doing. Right. And also because, you know, the neuroscience tells us, and this is what I love from the, the Buddhist stuff, the neuroscience tells us that we're wired for negativity. It's how our brains are built. And that the negative stuff is like Velcro and it'll hang on by one little loop. And the positive stuff is like Teflon. But you can, you can, neuroplasticity, you can like, you can regroup your brain. I love how all these things, we could talk for hours. I love how all these things work together. Yes. Kabbalah, Buddhism, neuroscience, you know, these ancient wisdom teachings are now being proven, shown mm -hmm. to be like, these guys knew what they were doing because they were tuned in. Right. Science is just now catching up and they're exactly. not even completely there yet, but they're getting there. They're Ooh. Yeah. centuries later yeah, exactly <laughs> sometimes i'll hear a report science says blah, blah blah and i'm like right i've been living and teaching that like for a really long time thanks for catching up with us you know and, yeah. and people laugh at me but when you dance in that place of visionary and creative and what action are you taking to execute it like i do all day all the time sometimes people look at me like wow that's weird but i don't think it's weird at all that's how <laughs> leaders handle it so all of you leaders that are listening to us. This conversation is meant for you because living in your head alone is like you being a stick with the brain. That doesn't work. It destroys your body. It stops your goodness from showing up in the world. And your goodness is important and vital. So please be a little curious about something new. Go to a place where you can go within. Get to a place where someone hears you. The name of the show, Someone Gets Me, comes from every time a client works with me for the first time, they typically end the conversation with, wow, someone gets me because of my ability to listen deeply to that creative vision and help you execute it. So somebody like Sharon, who's an expert, and helping unlock those things in you without your brain getting in the way can serve you much more greatly than you imagine. And you don't have to be Jewish. Most of the people in the Kabbalah class I took from her weren't. It's a mystical, so it's for all of us. Everyone can benefit. And as Sharon said, when you benefit and raise your your level of awareness, everyone around you is also affected. And together, our rectified aligned selves are a mighty force. Mm -hmm. So I suggest you check out what Sharon has to do or say, follow her, get on her email list, take her class, do something, take an action. And of course, if you need help with your vision or your creativity or any of those things, contact me because I'm happy to be here for you. That's why the podcast exists. And that's why Sharon came on the show. And that's why I do what I do. Because it matters in the big picture. You matter in the big picture. So one last question, Sharon. Yes. So we're going to erect a billboard that the whole world can see. That's going to have your message on it. What's your message? Well, my message of the moment... <laughs> is take your seat in the center of your life. 
Take your seat in the center of your life. Sharon Rosen, you heard it here on Someone Gets Me. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with me today and, and being willing to flow with my intuitive questions that not even I know what was coming next and for chanting with us and just bringing such richness to all of our lives today. Thank you so much. Sweetheart for having me. Uh, all right. Remember, everybody, to keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So let's use our curiosity and our multidimensional selves to emerge even more magical and brilliant. Until the next episode, if someone gets me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.